another meeting of the Order of the Straight Arrow. You have myself, Troop Scout leader Dustin Lays with Beave, across from me in the clubhouse today. This is Meatloaf. I mean, Denim Lays with Darts. <laughs> and in between the two wall boys, you have myself, I'm Miles, a.k.a. Chief. Runs with bins. Thank you for coming in the clubhouse today, boys. And to kick this meeting off, let's do it like we do the rest with the straight arrow oath. For those of you in scout uniform, three-finger salute. Those at home listening in civilian clothes, hands over your heart and repeat after the historian. A straight arrow tells the truth. A straight arrow loves nature. A straight arrow always lets sleeping dogs lie. And a straight arrow is always against Bill H.R. 57, which would allow the importation of South American propane. Can I get a round table? We Matanya. We Matanya. All right, let's go around the clubhouse. What you drinking on? Um, I'm drinking on a Phillips Electric Unicorn. I could not have another Lucky Logger after last time. <laughs> And I got a tiger shark out of the same hot box. And I have a Stanley Park Brewing Layer Up Winter Wheat Ale. It's nice. Hey, man, do you want to trade one of my Phillips for one of them after this? Because those are really good. Uh, I don't know. Your trade last week was kind of... Uh... No, but I got a, I got Phillips this time. Okay, no hop circle. Okay, no hop circle. We'll see. You can have an electric uni. We'll talk. I know it's pretty strong. We're already pretty buzzed. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't need any more? No, I need more. <laughs> You know what they say, one is too many and a thousand is not enough. <laughs> so, let's get into this episode with some info from the historian. Alright, well first of all, I'd like to take a note um, that I've been meaning to mention for the last few episodes. Yeah, this is important. This would have belonged in our uh, in-betweener or any of our other episodes. <laughs> but you may have noticed that I haven't been mentioning the director's intros, the deleted scenes, or any special features. Commentary. Yeah, the commentaries. There's nothing. Um, it seems over the summer between season two and season three, Buckley wasn't the only thing that died in this show. But these DVDs took a hit in quality. Yeah, they yeah. went down the fuck hill fast. They're double-sided now, so I have to flip it over. It sucks. Now you have to worry about both sides getting scratched. You can't just put <laughs> the good side up anymore because they're both guys shit on it. Yeah, and like you would think, oh, great, okay. Double-sided DVDs means they can fit more content. No, you'd be fucking wrong. Because from season three onwards, they they included nothing. No, no, no deleted scenes, no special features of basically any kind. There's no, there's not a single like special feature to be found. They are so cheap. My dog Lefty won't even eat them. <laughs> <laughs> like I was doing research on like Monday, I think, and I left the DVD out on my. Uh, end table in my living room and forgot about it went to work and I came home and I was like oh fuck and then he's like no he wouldn't even touch it he's like no it's not even worth his time wow yeah no I mean like I'm a little I'm really bummed like I read that I guess Fox decided that they weren't worth it like people weren't buying the DVDs for the special features but they'd be fucking wrong like, yeah they should really re-release them with everything yeah um, so anyway, that was just my little rant here. So you'll never hear me talk about a special feature ever again. Um, we might speculate on some deleted scenes, but I mean, like the fact that they were in there for seasons one and two, like we saw a lot of alternate endings. We saw a lot of deleted scenes. We saw animatics. We saw lots of like 
like fun behind the scenes stuff. Like I'm really sad that those aren't going to be here because they totally spoiled us, right? Like they gave us a, a look in it, at a lot of the goings on. It did. You could see the scenes where it's like, okay, hey, that was so close to being in the episode. Or this one was like an automatic. It was so far fetched. Like you'd see like almost like the writers' brains mm-hmm. in the room going back and forth. Exactly. Like, so yeah, that's a it's a damn shame. It, it is, is a really damn. Shame. It's a crying shame. But the show must go on. The show must go on. And this is the 38th episode, after all. is the third episode of season three. Uh, it originally aired October 6th, 1998. Uh, titles Peggy's Headache. This is written by Joel Stillman. Uh, he, this is his third of his four total writing credits. Uh, Square Peg and Keeping Up With Our Joneses are the first two. Mm. I kind of see a theme in his... Uh, yeah. Episodes yeah. of choice. He knows Peggy, I think. He likes Peg episodes. <laughs> and I like that the Peg episodes that he uses bring the family in with it. A mm-hmm. little bit, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is uh, the second episode directed by Chris Moller. Moller? M-O-E-L-L-E-R. Moller. Moller. Uh, this is his second after Bobby Slam. Oh, solid episode. A great episode. Um, yeah, and uh, the synopsis for this one is... Peg finally learns what everybody else on the street seems to know. <laughs> everybody else in the town knows. Yeah. See, it took me about an hour, but I'm naive. Yeah. <laughs> I know one person who should know. So we begin this episode with a nice little ditty that's a very classic King of the Hill. We see Peggy come outside and greet the neighborhood. Everybody's kind of getting ready for work. Dale comes out next door, and he's dressed in his Dale Deadbug uniform, orange jumpsuit. He locks all three (laughs) deadbolts. But you know what I thought was interesting about that is they all had the same key. It's pretty pointless, right? You get a hold of the one key, and that's it. I mean, we already see one guy who's got the key. (laughs) Well, obviously, Nancy went to the hardware store, got a copy made for her healer. Well, it's even more pointless as we find out, like, a little bit in, in the episode. So that the sliding glass door is always <laughs> unlocked. <laughs> oh, yes. But, uh, of course, like we just alluded to, uh, who shows up at the same time Dale leaves, but... Nancy's healer. In his tan Jeep Wrangler. Mm-hmm. And uh, Is it he... a Wrangler? Y-J. I thought it was a YJ. Oh, it YJ, is a YJ, my yeah. bad. I apologize. You better be fucking sorry. <laughs> There's some Jeep fanatic out there who's just cursing us right now. Yeah. I, I Specifically you. <laughs> yeah. I apologize. Please. It don't. might even be a CJ. <laughs> Do you know what the CJ stands for? Carl Jr. Civilian. Junior. Jeep. Oh, Gaia. <laughs> um, anyways, they pass by. They say hello, goodbye, you know. And uh, John opens the door to go heal Nancy. And it's funny how Who's Peg- John? <laughs> John Redcorn. John <laughs> Redcorn. <laughs> And it's funny that, like, this is obviously a look into kind of Peggy's everyday morning where she's like, oh, bye, Dale. Hi, John. (laughs) And, like, she thinks of it as nothing. But John feels the need to uh, be like, oh, Peggy, I'm just... Morning, John Redcorn. Oh, uh, Peggy, just dropping off a new healing herb for Nancy uh, to help with her migraines. Ginkgo biloba. Oh, yeah, uh uh-huh. Sure, I've heard of that. I think she's talking... I think, like, she might be thinking about the copy store. Kinkos? Oh. <laughs> yeah, Peggy has no idea what you talk about. Yeah, uh, what's that herb called? Oh, man. Uh, ginkgo biloba, also known as maidenhair tree, is an ancient tree native to China. 
the tree has been cultivated for like hundreds, possibly thousands of years. It's like always been around. It has uses as traditional medicine. Um, and it's also can be used as a food. Like there's nuts, berry things that drop off of it. And, uh, is it an aphrodisiac? I don't think so. Does it help with headaches? Uh, definitely not. Like if, yeah, if, <laughs> if Peggy actually knew what she was talking about, she'd been like, that's weird. <laughs> Cause I, I mean, I could be wrong because I didn't get too deep into it, but I don't think it's like a headache thing. I do love that Peggy just pretends. Oh, I've heard of that. Yeah, I'm, I'm smart. Oh, totally. Yeah. But immediately after John's done with Peggy, he goes inside and shuts the blinds and then just cranks the tunes. Oh, fuck yeah. Oh, it's so funny. Like, Dale might even still be, like, getting into his van, and you could just hear some raucous <laughs> music coming out of the Gribble House. And it's none other than Can't Get Enough by the English supergroup Bad Company. Wow, they couldn't just wait to get it out in this episode. Yeah, eh? no doubt. And you may remember, we talked about Bad Company in the Arrowhead episode um, when Feel Feel Like Making Love was played also in the same uh, very loud, raucous manner. So us at the clubhouse are led to believe that Bad Company is John Redcorn's favorite band. It, or at I, least his baby making music. I mean, yeah. it he's definitely has it on cassette because if you were to look at it, <laughs> feel like making love is the first song on side B, <laughs> and can't get enough is the first song on side A. No. <laughs> yeah, it's funny how instantaneous it plays. <laughs> right? He's like, yeah, these days it's like, oh, you got that shit on your phone, you just sync it up. <laughs> no. But like back then, it was almost a bit of a process. I like Red Corn's pants have one pocket for just bad company <laughs> tape. He's just got bad co on cassette. Yeah. Oh so Can't Get Enough is actually Bad Company's biggest hit ever, coming in at number five on the Billboard Hot 100 and considered their most popular song. The song was written by founding member guitarist Mick Ralphs. Now, as I have with the other uh, John Redcorn songs, I'll recite a few lyrics. Oh, please. <clears throat> well, I take whatever I want. Baby, I want you. You give me something I need. Now tell me I got something for you. Come on, come on, and do it. Come on, and do what you do. <laughs> I mean, Bad Company are pretty great. Yeah, they rock well. Oh, no doubt they rock well. <laughs> like Bad Company, they're like they're pretty badass. Like they're they as you said, they're a super group. Mm-hmm. You have member of Mott the Hoople, couple members of Free, uh, and uh, like lots of other ones, The Firm, the Law. But um, uh, they're they were signed to uh, Led, Led Zeppelin's Zeppelin, label, yeah. Swan Song, because they were managed by. Peter Grant, the they, man who led Zeppelin. They were the first band, I think, that they signed. They were, yeah, if not the first, they probably were the first, but I also would believe it if you were to tell me they were the only band. Because mm-hmm. there's not a lot on that Swan Song label. It didn't, it wasn't around for very long. Yeah, and I mean, this came off their debut album, which came out in 1974. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think Swan Song was that early before that. I actually don't know that Swan Song was around then. Mm. Uh, if they were, then. Zeppelin Zeppelin didn't release anything on Swan Song until 77 mm-hmm. within through the outdoor. Okay. And I did not do research on this. I'm just going off the top of my head cuz I'm pretty sure physical graffiti and everything before that is Atlantic. Right. Okay, Tim Rogers. <laughs> but uh, after we see what's going on in the Gribble residence, we get a look back into the Hill household. And this is uh, breakfast at the Hills. Yeah, Peggy's got her paper, and she's reading from Do- Doyle Harkavy. Harkavy? Harkavy? Harkavy. I think it's Harkavy. Doyle Harkavy. Dar- I, think, I swear you hear the characters pronounce it differently. Like, I think Luann pronounces it one way, and everyone else, and 
pronounce it another way, but I, I could be wrong. I, I like, know you can you can uh, actually read it on the thing. It says. Oh yeah, it. I've re- I wrote it all down, um, and it, it it's definitely Harkavy. I'm gonna stand by that. Um, I'm fairly certain it is. Um, but yeah, so I I actually I forgot to w- write down what his. Uh, oh, I've got his one. first. <laughs> I'm standing with Harkavy. I think, yeah. I think it's hard. I'm all right, all right. With. Well, out of his list... Miles, he's an American. <laughs> uh, well, while Hank's cooking breakfast and Bobby's eating some sort of yellow sludge, Peggy lists off all of his musings. The first one is, when it comes to starting the day, nothing wakes me up faster than coffee. <laughs> which, is, which is just classic. Hank can't get enough, and this is great humor. I don't know, it's like, is that really amusing? Well, I mean, I'm it, it, honestly not sure what the definition of amusing is, just, but it was not amusing, that's for sure. Yeah, it's like just like slightly humorous banter. I don't know. It sounds like coffee. It sounds like <laughs> coffee for a coffee ad. Well, at least the second one's a little bit more clever. Uh, and this is when Luann starts, walks into the kitchen and Peggy says, they say children are a blessing. But mine are holy terrors. Yeah. <laughs> and his daughter jumped out the window. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because... Luann loses it. <laughs> she starts laughing after she hears the joke and laughs harder after she finds out that she died. And then she kind of catches herself and it makes me think, she probably didn't even get the first joke and was just laughing because everyone else yeah. was. It, it's she, adult humor, Bobby. <laughs> you wouldn't get she, it. She thought Doyle's even daughter I, jumping out of a window was amusing. It's adult humor, Connie. I don't even get some of it. <laughs> so quick of a callback, but definitely necessary. <laughs> it's funny when uh, Peggy announces that Doyle's retiring. I don't believe it. Doyle Harkaby is retiring from the musings column. No! <laughs> so you tell me you side with uh, Peggy's pronunciation. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And I like that... Uh, We've heard her speak Spanish lots. <laughs> I don't know her grasp on English. It's funny that Bobby's first to speak up, because later in the episode we find out how he really feels, but right now I think he's just acting. Mm-hmm. And I also liked, I wanted to mention, um, that you could see Luann's buzz cut is getting like a little bit longer. Yeah, it's a little shaggy. Yeah. yeah. And so when they find out that um, Doyle's retiring... Luann comes up with the greatest suggestion of all time that Peggy should take it over. <laughs> and Hank's response is like, oh, <laughs> Peggy has amusing every now and then, but Doyle Harkavy is a musing machine. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> of course, Peggy gets all defensive. She's like, well, what are, you, what are you saying, Hank? You mean that I can't, I can't do this column? He's like, well. I like how she defends herself. She says, well, I play Boggle. And I have observations. Yeah. Yeah. Boggles grammatical. (laughs) The only two requirements. Mm -hmm. Hank calls her out. He's okay. We'll uh, give you amusing right now. All right. Well, let's see. I like milk. Hey, that's the best so far. (laughs) Do one about cookies. He isn't wrong. He isn't wrong. (laughs) He's not wrong. Oh, it's funny. It's almost like since Bobby, like, we find out later his opinions on the musings and Doyle's musings, that at this point he's just, like, satirically yeah, humoring his family. Like, oh, yeah, that's better than Doyle. <laughs> it's funny because, like, it could be honest or satirical, and the comedy hits on both. Mm-hmm. You know what I would have, like, at the start of this episode and, like, throughout? I mean, this episode is fantastic, but I would have liked to have seen Bobby 
kind of help his mom more because this is clearly this is Bobby's calling. Oh yeah, for sure. In a different episode, like this could have been Bobby's column under Peggy's name, mm-hmm. and like I don't he know. writes the the columns and she posts them uh, and yeah. and takes the credit. He's the ghostwriter. Exactly. Yeah. I could have in a, a different episode. Yeah, it, that could have been sweet. It'd be a good like high, like middle school pre runner for him to get ready for his like prop comic tree <laughs> stuff as he gets older. Mm-hmm. Um, but the following scenes, we see Peggy. She's decided that she is going to try her best to take over the musings column, and we see the. A few different scenes of her throughout the house. You can tell she's racking her brain trying to think of things. You see her rubbing her temples. She's got some BC headache powder on the go. And uh, you can take a brief look at her notepad and you can see the, the, the subjects that she's working on. It's weather, young people, the old days. <laughs> but one of them doesn't make the cut. Yeah, young people gets crossed yeah, out. Young, yeah, she doesn't understand young people. Um, but you can also see... Um, before Hank comes in to yell at her, you can see her notepad, and I paused on it to see what her, her crossed-out musings were. Uh, the first one was, lots of cookies will make you fat. <laughs> the next one was, thank goodness for, pe- for plexiglass. Amen. The next one was, sunburn, too much of a good thing. And nothing is dirt cheap because dirt is free. And the final one was, give a donkey the chant, and it will bite you in the ass. That's obvious. Yeah. yeah. Stupid. Uh, I kind of like the donkey one. I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> the nothing is dirt cheap because dirt is free is actually like the stupidest one because it's obviously mm-hmm. like why it is a thing. Like mm-hmm. she's just explaining a common phrase. Yeah. What? what yeah. Do you have any, Dustin? Uh, oh, any musings? Have your own? Yeah. Uh, I I decided. You know, I sat down, much like Peggy, and uh, you know, pen to the paper, and I tried to think up some musings. And then I thought to myself, well, why would I do that when Twitter exists? And I've probably written down a hundred musings before, so I decided to go look through my Twitter. That is what Twitter is, hey? It's musings. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, when you're not tweeting at somebody, you're just posting a musing. And uh, maybe I'm doing it wrong. (laughs) I I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. There was a point in my time where I did a lot of work in grocery stores. And I have three tweets here about Superstore. That I guess I could share. They're just musings. Do any of them involve rollerblades? <laughs> no, no, that was that, that's been cut out for some time now. Number one, Superstore's night crew may look like the island of misfit toys, but surprisingly, they're also just as nice. <laughs> Another one, more like the nothing that super about it store. <laughs> that's your best one yet. And then uh, this one was fun. This one was like a journal entry. 10.57 a.m., Duncan Superstore plays Sandstorm by Darude. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I mean, I've been in there earlier than that, uh, and that one, that, that I've never heard that in there. Oh, yeah. It's, it's it... just another perplexing morning in <laughs> Superstore in Duncan. I will tell you, that Duncan Superstore has the craziest playlists. But And then there was one more. It's not about Superstore, but it is the most Peggy-like musing that I've ever written. 22-person wait at the walk-in, more like walk-out. <laughs> <laughs> No, yeah. And uh, I that... still like your second one. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So those were my my Twitter musings. Miles, you got any? No, 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 no. I was trying to. Th- I, well, Dustin brought that up earlier, and then I was gonna think of something, and then I just didn't. Thought about I'm, something else. I'm not gonna just <laughs> try and think of one on the spot. Denim. Um, I'm not gonna try and think of one on the spot either. <laughs> all righty. Uh, mine is. Uh, <laughs> you can all go to hell, and I'm gonna go to Texas. <laughs> 
do you want about cookies? <laughs> <laughs> you can all go to hell, and I'll eat cookies. There you go. That's your best one yet. So at the end of the scene, Peggy's in the living room. Hank comes in to check in on her musings that she's been working on. And he's like, oh, give me your five best. And she's like, I can't have you keep coming in here every two hours and yelling at me. <laughs> so she's clearly got nothing, not even the slightest thing she can give Hank. So she abruptly gets up, says he needs to leave the house, and she's on her way to... Nancy's or the Gribble household or John's second home. <laughs> and he that, has a key. Yeah, exactly. So she's uh, she walks around the back, and uh, as she's walking through, completely oblivious, we can just hear that the place is rocking with meatloaf. And uh, yeah, you can see paradise by the dashboard mm-hmm. light. You can basically taste it. I'm sure Peggy could smell it. But it's cold. <laughs> yeah. And it's, but it seemed a little intrusive what Peggy was doing. Like I don't know. Maybe it's because they're such good friends. Like I can, I'm not gonna lie. Like Miles, I might walk into your house one day. But like there are friends of mine that I just walk in. Like Kurt, like dances with McDoubles. Yeah. Been known to just walk into his house <laughs> and like I'll go in there and I'll chat with his dad. I'll chat with his mom or his sister. Before I even make my way into his room. Like, and they're like, oh, Kurt's not even here. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and so I guess I can understand that that Peggy has the right or the feeling like you're, it's okay to walk in. You're pretty infamous on uh, walking in on people in the throes of activity. <laughs> Guilty. Guilty. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that one. Oh, no, I did bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I did a good job of uh, of blocking that out as well. <laughs> oh my god! Whoops, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't even your room. <laughs> Neither of you. <laughs> Common space belongs to the person in it. Okay. <laughs> Um, but anyways, uh, Peggy is kind of walking through the Gribble household, shouting for Nancy, uh, and just making you? her way to the back bedroom. Nancy! Nancy! <laughs> oh, there you are. Hello, John Redcorn. Oh, yes, we were just, uh, back here. <laughs> I love that, like, the music changes, like, yeah. Peggy isn't going to notice and <laughs> yeah. just doesn't rock. Yeah. <laughs> that meatloaf was pounding. Dude. <laughs> I do like that, like, Nancy, like, she only, like, got as dressed as her shirt. Yeah, she's yeah. just under the covers. Like. Yeah. And John's just, like, just has, like, the split second to, like, put his elbow on the dresser, like, oh, hello. Yeah. <laughs> his still... shoes are still off. Yeah. His moccasins are off. moccasins. <laughs> Hey, man, mo- moccasins are barely on. Yeah. So, yeah, do we want to talk about meat? Because, I mean, we were rocking out to meatloaf here earlier. Hell yeah, we were. I walked over and you were playing meatloaf. Yeah, as you do. Um, okay, so meatloaf, born Marvin Lee Ade. Um, he was born September 27th, 1947 in Dallas, Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is a singer and actor known for his roles in movies like the Rocky Horror Picture Show, Fight Club, Tenacious mm. D, and The Pick of Destiny. Mm. And for some of you bigger Meatloaf fans out there, the 1980 cult classic movie called Roadie uh, is co-starring Blondie and Alice Cooper. It has cameo appearances from Roy Orbison and Hank Jr. Are you sure it wasn't nice. called Groupie? 
No, it was called Rhodey. It's actually uh, it's a really good movie. Um, well, it's a really fun movie. Um, it's actually kind of like based off the Allman Brothers. Um, Rhodey, uh, who's like, like historically known as the best Rhodey of all time. <laughs> oh, Similance. Uh, <laughs> that was Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. Um, no, it's if you ever like, just even on a side note, if you ever seen the movie uh, Almost Famous. Yes. Uh, I think Penny Lane introduces uh, James Cameron, whoever the mm. character, the kid yeah, is. Yeah, the guy. Yeah. Uh, to uh, a guy named Red with a big beard, says the Almond Brothers roadie. That is also portraying this famous roadie named that this movie Red. was about. Yeah. Guy. Um. Anyway, the movie. Yeah, Meatloaf plays him. Little. Uh... It's a really uh, yeah. it's a really fun movie. It's like if you ever want to find like some weird like 80 1980 like movie with a bunch of rock stars in it, like it, they're just having fun the whole movie. It's a good one. All right. Um but Meatloaf, or Meat as his friends and I will call him. Uh is best known as a singer. And by far he is most popular when paired with the songwriter Jim Steinman for his trilogy of the Bat Out of Hell records. Oh yes. The first one, coming out in 1977, Bat of Hell, written by Jim Steinman and produced by Mr. Todd Rundgren, is number three on the list of best-selling albums of all time. All time? All time. Do you have first and second? I do. Do you want to take a guess? Well, let's take a guess a second, because I think we all know the first one. Peter Frampton Live. No. Comes Live. And no. What are the... Sorry. Top three albums of what? Best-selling. All time. Oh, all time? Jeez, I don't know. I mean, we all know the first one is Michael Jackson's Thriller. Right. Second one? Zamfir. It uh, is a record we've all heard Bohemian and probably Rhapsody. owned. That's that's not a record. Denied. <laughs> yeah, you're wrong, Dustin. Take a stab at it. Dr. Dre 2001. Ooh, I wish. In a fair world, maybe. No, it's ACDC's Back in Black. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, Bad Out of Hell sold 50 million copies Jesus. worldwide. And as of June 2019, has spent a record 522 weeks on the UK album sales chart. Who keeps buying it? I've bought it multiple times. But in the UK. Yeah, they got a good taste. Mm. Um that's the second longest running in history. I don't have the first of that. That's crazy. It has spawned an onstage musical and was number 343 on Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Albums of All Time. The second Bat album was uh, wrote and produced by Steinman and has Meatloaf's biggest single or biggest radio hit, I Would Do Anything for Love. But I won't do that. <laughs> yeah, you won't. Uh, and the controversial third Bat record... Contains seven songs partially written by Steinman, although there was a legal dispute uh, for me to use them along with the title. And ultimately, Steinman had nothing to do with the third record, like, uh, in name. On paper. Um, but, you know, in Steinman's own words, 283 ain't bad. That's Not a bad. pass. Not bad. 66%. You guys, you guys don't know that record very well, do you? No. Okay, no. fair enough. All right. It's his third one. I sure hope somebody out there got that joke because <laughs> I expected a better reaction. Now don't be sad out of three Uh Meatloaf rules. He's big big guy. Big 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 uh big star. 
Big Meat fan. Yeah, but, no, I, I do like Meatloaf. Like, his voice is very recognizable, and when I hear it, like, it rocks. I, I want to sing along. He does rock. I, and, I mean, like, I've definitely sang Paradise by the Dashboard Light at some karaoke nights. Oh, yeah. I <laughs> Do you remember the very first time you ever heard that song? Yes, I do, actually. Uh, um, I distinctly because there's so there's a there's a, there's a portion in the middle where it's like a baseball uh, reference. Clip. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I like I, I remember being in my parents' driveway in in the back seat of Wesley's car, mm. uh, his no Wesley's mom's car. Oh, okay. And because uh, we were like twelve or eleven, and his dad had the had the CD plan, and like I had just learned what that meant, like, going all the way or getting oh, to first base. Yeah. Like, I just learned what that meant. <laughs> and then, like, I was like, oh, this is funny. Like, I get it. And then, yes, I distinctly remember. And, like, and like having and like holding the CD has that badass cover that doesn't really fit the music, if you ask me, but I mean, they're both cool. Fair enough. Uh, I believe I my story is definitely not as cool, but somebody might uh, share the same one where – First time I heard that song was in a feature film titled Josie and the Pussycats. <laughs> Sick movie. When uh, Josie's trying to get uh, discovered and the uh, agent is driving along. Steve in... Coogan. Is that who it is? The guy with the long hair? In uh, in the movie? Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, Steve Coogan. He's driving along trying to find the next big thing after DeJore's plane crashed. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and he thanks God every day that he remembered the lyrics to Ender Sandman. Because he's the only one not in a full body cast. But uh, <laughs> Fuck you, it's a good movie. <laughs> it is a good movie. And I don't know what the fuck you guys are talking that's about. That's okay. Josie runs in front of his car and uh, the lights flare and like he's they're in Hollywood so you know signs light up and this music... The, the dashboard, you know, chorus comes on, and it's this big moment. Rosario Dawson's just standing there. Yeah, she is. But Tara uh, Reed and Josie? Who's Josie? Uh, you know, that, that, I don't know her name. Sarah Michelle Geller? Probably. It's not. But anyways, that's when I first heard this song and loved it ever since, and to this day, continue to love it. How about you, Miles? When was the first time you heard that song? When was the first um, time you were introduced to Meat? Uh, I remember my mom actually making a point of being like, hey, you should listen to this song. Like, it's not like what you've ever heard before, but like, it's really good. And at the time I'm being like, no, I don't care. Like, I, I don't have time for it. And then like a few years later, whenever it was, but later on, I remember hearing it like on my own and being like, all right, like this, this rocks. God but like, it, Julie. I wasn't going to let my mom like, I mean, your tell mom, me what's cool. <laughs> your mom has good taste. She always has good taste. She still has good taste. She listens yeah. to this podcast. She has good taste. Yeah. Yeah. Does she still listen? Uh, Hi, inter Julie. Intermittently. Yeah, she'll... Uh, Hi, Miles' mom. Sometimes she'll make like she'll listen to the episodes that are like like enough before where I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, you guys like uh, you're talking about what kind of beer you like. That's good. You should keep doing that. And I was like, yo, we started that like two months ago. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but she had that big sugar CD. Oh man, I might even think that she got all of us into big sugar inadvertently. Yeah, I mean, one way or the other. I mean, like we used to pillage their my parents' CD <laughs> collection when we were younger. We'd yeah. be like, they yeah, they do have some. Uh, Good taste in tunes, that's for sure. That's how you can tell the good ones apart. But, uh, of course, Peggy is uh, completely aloof and uh, despondent with the whole situation because she books a appointment with John Redcorn. <laughs> well, she have, she's having a headache, too. It's so funny. He's like, I guess that would be okay. <laughs> it's like, well, yes, that is my job. <laughs> it is funny because, yeah, like up until this point, we've never, ever even seen 
what he actually does. Yeah, exactly. Well, like, because you're always told that that is his job. He's yeah. a healer. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'm sure part of it is headaches, but I'm sure there's other things. And, like, I guess I always did assume that that was his job. Like, if anybody asked me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was funny, like, after Peggy leaves and – John Redcorn's like, that was weird. What game is she playing at? <laughs> yeah. And then, and then uh, Nancy feels dirty, so yeah. she needs to have a shower. Yeah. And Red, Red, Redcorn's like, yeah, I'll come. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'll and, you, and you could see she's just wearing her, like, blouse that she wears. <laughs> at Redcorn's trailer, which, to be honest, I was a little surprised to see carpet, as was Peggy. <laughs> I don't know what I expected, yeah, but a, I didn't expect carpet. It's a strange first line to deliver to someone <laughs> when you first get to their home. Like, it's like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it is a nice place, though. Like, uh, it, it doesn't look like it's in a trailer park. It looks like it's in the forest. Yeah, I know. It's a nice, tranquil little setting. Good really? spot for some new age healing. Yeah, I don't know why Nancy doesn't just go there. Like, yeah. <laughs> to be honest, like, make the it, most sense. It'd be a lot less obvious, too. <laughs> like, yeah, right. New age healer who delivers to your door every morning, three days a week. <laughs> I, I like that uh, – I like Peggy's – she takes a look at the massage chair and she says, oh, great. Whenever I sit in a chair, I never know what to do with my head. <laughs> like, yeah, what a, what a dummy. It's like obviously she's like nervous and has no idea what's going on. But John's got the situation taken care of. He he lights the incense and he's got the little water fountain going, dream catchers all about. And uh, yeah, just imagine a meadow or some birds if you like. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, starts giving her the massage, and it's so good that she drops her keys because she holds them in her hand for the... Yeah, she didn't even have time to... (laughs) She was just so overwhelmed by John Redcorn's healing. And it's funny because he plays the the whale song music, and he's like, the whale Mm. sing a song of highs and lows, just like Leanne Rhymes. (laughs) (laughs) Did anybody look into her? Are you going to... No. No, dude, I'm not going to talk about Leanne Rhymes. <laughs> no, I don't know who that is. You know, the bare naked lady sing about her in that song? Which song? What's their big song? Hey, it's Brown! One week since you looked at me Cocked your head to the side and said I'm angry Five days since you laughed at me Saying get back together and come back and see me Three days since the living room I realized it's all my fault but couldn't tell you Yesterday you'd forgiven me But it'll still be two days till I say I'm sorry Hope that now I'm watching the hoodwink Cause I make you stop think You'll think you're looking at Aquaman Summon fish to the dish, although I like the shallots, because I like the sushi, cause I never touch a frying pan. Hot like wasabi when I bust rhymes, big like Leanne rhymes, because I'm all about value. Bird campers got the mad hits, you try to match wits, you try to hold me but a bust through. Can I make a break and take a pick? I like a sink and they can shake, I like vanilla. It's the finest of the flavors. Gonna see the show, cause then you'll know the vertigo is gonna go, cause it's so dangerous, you'll have to sign a waiver. Can we talk about Bare Naked Ladies okay, again? Because so there on. was a great <laughs> music yeah. video. Denim? Denim, I'm going to have to lay the hammer down because uh, – Get in line. Yeah. <laughs> That's Peggy, the name of the song. Peggy oh. is so relaxed. She, like John Redcorn just like kind of like <laughs> ushers her Dude, to his couch. Yeah, and, and lies her down. And, uh, <laughs> and she's like just sawing logs. And, uh, John's got some business to attend to. Uh, there. Now lie quietly for as long as you want while I copy both sides of your insurance card. 
So the next scene we see, we're back in the alley and the guys are hanging out. And I believe, like, I swear, like, almost every scene, or not every scene, but like, there's so many scenes where somebody has the Arlen bystander in their hands. I was going to say, yeah. Bill can read. Yeah, <laughs> Bill can read. And I like how they're all fans of Doyle Harker's music. <laughs> I have written down in my notes that Bill doesn't understand pictures. <laughs> Yo, Beggy's going to have a hard time replacing Doyle Harker. That guy's amazing. I mean, you look at his picture in the paper, he never gets a day older. See, Bill calls him Harkavy. Huh? Yeah, I'm with Bill on this one. Yeah. I'm with Bill just because Peggy's historically a dumbass. Okay, dude, you're talking about Bill Dotrieve. <laughs> <laughs> the man who doesn't understand pictures. <laughs> hey, but... he can hold down a job. <laughs> That's true. So Hank's talking about how hard Peggy's working. She's working so hard that she's got a headache. But Dale's like, oh, don't worry. Those headaches are as good as gone. Don't worry. Old John R. will fix her up just like he does for Nancy three times a week. I love that all the guys instantly know what this means. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's kind of looking all nervous. And, like, Hank is, like, trying to talk about the subject but realizes where it could go. Bill, oh, yeah. Hank is so uncomfortable. And Bill's like, well, Hank, don't worry. I'm sure Peggy's headaches are not nearly as severe as Nancy's. Yeah. yeah. Doesn't – what does Boomhauer say This here? is the thing. This is the first time where I've actually found Boomhauer has no uh, words. Uh. Ooh, man, I tell you what, man, you don't, don't want to, you know, I can't even, you know, don't want to with, you know. <laughs> He's speechless. I mean, it's it's understandable. Yeah. It is. He said Harkavy. But uh, this is, of course, the, the kind of first instance of Hank becoming, you know, worried or jealous or aware that there may be something going on with Peggy and Redcorn. Mm -hmm. And this is when he starts to kind of get a little bit antsy. Well, I mean, this... Plus, how Hank reacts when Dale says that he doesn't find Peggy attractive. Like, it's understandable because, like, he thinks his wife's attractive and he knows John Redcorn. So he knows that he thinks John Redcorn finds Peggy attractive. Just picking that apart. You're right. Every one of Hank's friends, according to Hank, think Hank's wife is attractive because Hank thinks that. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so following that logic... He knows Redcorn. Of course he's suspicious. Mm -hmm. Who the fuck wouldn't be? Exactly. And I like the way the, – this, I think, is the most emotion I've seen Hank share with Peg uh, after they're back in the Hill House. Anger? Because, uh, <laughs> yes. yeah. Yes, exactly. And this is the way that he expresses it. Well, good. Your headache's gone. Then I guess you're all done with John freaking Redcorn. Freaking <laughs> Redcorn. Yeah, Peggy comes home and she's just euphoric. She's yeah. like dancing around the house, singing to herself. She sprawls out on the couch, so <laughs> relaxed. You have Hank's next line as a clip. Peggy, I don't know how some guy rubbing your neck helps your head. I mean, what's the connection? <laughs> what is the connection, Miles? I mean, I ain't a biologist. <laughs> Yeah, I couldn't tell you. I'm with Hank. <laughs> <laughs> this gives Peg some ammunition for her, or sorry, should I say, amusings. Mm -hmm. My husband calls me his better half because I better half dinner on the table when he gets home. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, maybe. Well, not bad. Yeah, I could see people liking that. Not me, personally. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, as soon as she gets up and, uh, you know, off to write more musings, Luann enters and notices that Hank's down in the dumps. She asks, you know, what's wrong? Hank explains that Peggy's that... been with John Redcorn, and Luann's face is 
in utter shock and, and dismay <laughs> because she knows what that could mean. Right? And well, Just put your face back the way it was. <laughs> I love this scene because it also makes me wonder if, like, she knows what it if she knows what it means, or if she just wants to play along with Hank's dismay, because she clearly just plays along with everything else. Yeah. It just gives more credence to the fact that every single person who's an adult in the alley knows about the affair, except Peggy. But I love when Bobby then walks in and says, and he's like, what are you guys talking about? He's like, Luan, what's wrong? Yeah. Your face is still all screwed up, apparently. What's wrong, Luan? Nothing's wrong, Bobby. Now go play outside. Dinner's going to be a little late. (gasps) (laughs) I love Bobby's gasp here. And he makes the same body movements as Luann. So it's like, obviously, like Peggy having an affair and dinner being late are on the same scale of terrifying. Yeah, he gets all, like, rigid. He acts like his, like, (laughs) Hank just told him Lady Bird got hit by a car or something. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) He's that offended. And, of course, this leads Hank to take action. Yeah, Hank needs to have a few words with Mr. John Redcorn. So that leads him to head over to John Redcorn's trailer. It's funny when he first shows up and John's like, Hank, want a beer? Would you like a beer? (laughs) This is not a social call, John Redcorn. I think I know why you're here. Your wife came to me with a headache. A real headache. Her head actually hurt. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny because, like, they... Like, they both know. Like, they don't need to say it, but John Records like, do not worry. Like, I'm not going to heal Peggy as the way I heal other wives. He says wives, yeah. plural. Like, he alludes to, like, that he's got all these other, the other four days of the week, he's got these other wives that he heals in the unprofessional <laughs> matter. And Hank's like, well, good. If you lay one unprofessional finger on my wife, I'm going to kick your ass. And it shows the scene of the two of them standing <laughs> beside each other when the wind starts blowing. John Records luscious locks are, like, blowing in the wind. He's got these huge arms. His chest is barrel. Pitch, yeah, he's <laughs> barrel-chested red corn, and Hank's just got his like belly, like beer belly, protruding out. I love it. I love that red corn's expression like doesn't change. It's just like he's really just, like yeah. well, he hangs up. <laughs> I I do want to bring up that uh, even though it looks this way, that we recall from the do's and don'ts that, that was... the drawing of Hank and red corn. Although red corn is bigger than Hank, Hank could still take on red corn if he had to. Yep. I mean, it didn't look like it in here. Well, even when Hank Hank's... didn't have no hair blown and no wind. Yeah, ah, but Peggy's involved. You know he's got a fire behind <laughs> him when Peggy's involved. But you see Hank, like, turning around. He's like, I will. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because, like, John's just smiling, right? Like, he's been, like, this affair's been going on for 13 years, and we can assume that all of his other affairs have been going on for a long time. Like, John Redcorn, like, He's up there with, like, Boomhauer. Like, how, how he wrangles <laughs> his women. They do hang out sometimes. <laughs> yes. It makes me wonder, is there other Redcorns? Like, Joseph? Is there other... Does he have other families all over oh. town? Oh. I don't think I've seen it yet, but there I'm going to be watching out. Like... So, Hank comes home, and he finds Peggy and Nancy... Just ecstatic, jumping for joy, and before he even finds out why, I can imagine that he's just like, oh, they both are got John Redcorn, so they're both just the happiest girls ever now. But no, it's because uh, Peggy found out that she got the column. She is now the Doyle... Hey, Cavey. Harkavy. The Doyle Harkavy of Arlen. Yeah, is this... And then, is this when Hank tries to give her a massage? 
<laughs> says, oh, you don't need those massages anymore. Yeah. He's giving a massage like his old football trainer would give. He's yeah. like karate chopping her back and driving her elbow, <laughs> his elbow into her spine. It's like she's been lugging like pounds of rice for years. <laughs> those are my kidneys. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, obviously. Like uh, that's going to affect her headaches. But this this is what <laughs> this is what uh, pushes Hank to explain why he's acting this way. Well, and it takes a bit to push him because he is not ready to explain it because he thinks she knows. It's an unspoken like agreement or like understanding of everyone in the alley. Like the guys don't talk about it, and you're excluding Dale. Hank doesn't talk about it with Peggy, like, and you'd see Hank's like, come on, don't make me say it. And she's like, say what? Are you saying John Record's overcharging? Because <laughs> like, I've checked. Yeah. yeah. And, she, and she lists, like, the VIP, VIP massage. And the oriental massage. Yeah, the rub and tugs. <laughs> <laughs> they overcharge. Yeah. And then, like, Peggy still doesn't get it. She's like, are you saying he's a quack? Like, he doesn't know what he's doing. And, and, and Hank, meanwhile, is, like, hinting to outside the yard where Redcorn is fixing Nancy's fence. Not just Redcorn. No. It's Nancy and Joseph. Yeah. Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> I saw that. I was like, in what world? Yeah. Why? Yeah. I know. And he's just, like, hammering those yeah. things. Like, I understand why that scene was, like, set up to just show, like, the the similarities between they could have been doing anything else yes and like like joseph could have been playing in the sandbox or something and like nancy could have been cutting flowers like she was in the end like like, she's got her hands on joseph's shoulders like they're posing for a family portrait like i mean like like, that's the joke yeah exactly but why is he hammering hank's fence yeah well i guess they share a side yard so it's dale's fence just to Mm -hmm. show that he is the father figure uh and it's funny because peggy Finally, 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 comes to conclusion. Finally. Finally. How could you not tell me what was going on in my own side yard? I thought you knew. How could you not know? I mean, look at Joseph. Where do you think he came from? Nancy told me Dale had a Jamaican grandmother. (laughs) (laughs) This is the most absurd excuse to covering up a child, like a fucking affair. Like, oh my God, Peggy. They don't. So clueless. It, it doesn't. He doesn't look Jamaican either, Peggy. Oh, no, like no, not at all. And it's and then Peggy's like, oh my god, like what does Dale know? And Hank's like, no, he's as slow as you are. <laughs> I mean, as in trusting a, and caring in a good way. Yeah. And, and so Peggy comes out with, <gasps> shameless tramp. Yeah. So we see Nancy tending to her rose bushes, and uh, Peggy goes storming out there. And she's... Before she runs into the screen door. Oh, oh no, the glass door. Yeah, yeah, yeah she smokes oh the glass door. I love it. <laughs> no, this is funny, but it's even funnier because when she comes back in, she has to, like, she, like... does the dog thing. Yeah. I do that every time I go through yeah, your no. screen door upstairs. I've done that before. And That's it's why not... there's a sticker on it. Yeah. But, uh, but of course, Peggy has to confirm front uh nancy and that is when she refers to her as you dirty bird (laughs) (laughs) nancy's like what's up (laughs) shug something the matter and so peggy comes out and i think her first accusations are that nobody in the family is jamaican yeah (laughs) and then she's like how could you and she's like i have my reasons and she's like yeah i've seen your reasons packed into a pair of sergio volante jeans (laughs) (laughs) 
Which I just assume are like tight Italian. white is dicks. <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. Oh, like, okay. Very, All right. Think about the jeans denim. But uh, well, that's anyways. what Nancy was thinking about. But that's when she turns around, uh, has to double check that the glass door is open, and goes back inside. To <laughs> I I do just love that line. Do you not? Do you have that line of Peggy saying? Joseph is not Jamaican, and neither is Dale, and I am beginning to suspect that his grandmother isn't either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So now Peggy is just fuming and doesn't know where to direct her anger, so Hank's the first person she sees, and she gets mad at him when he says, you know what, Peggy, you just gotta live with it. We all do, and just, you know, bury it down. But Peggy says, The only thing I ever want to get used to is a cold glass of lemonade. I am still a journalist, darn it. <laughs> I don't even think that's very amusing. No, it's not. It is, <laughs> and then we find out that Bobby's been like in the <laughs> in the room the whole time, or at least near to them, because we didn't mention that as as soon as Peggy finds out about the affair, she starts throwing out all of the like candles and scented things that John Redcorn had given into her, right. threw them in the garbage. <laughs> so, so Bobby, like he does every day. Did anyone else sniff today's garbage? And I thought yesterday's garbage smelled good. <laughs> you know what? I think I, in defense of Bobby here, I think he's probably just trying to do his due diligence and make sure that the raccoons aren't going to come back. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> Here we go to commercial and we come back. Jehorik. That's right. We come back to a repeat scene of the first scene in this episode. I love this scene. Where Peggy comes outside, she sees Dale leaving the house, she sees John Redcorn coming up. Well, well, well. John Redcorn. Oh, Peggy. Nancy's headache's very severe this morning. Uh, must be the pollen. Well, well, well. Well. John Redcorn. Peggy Hill. <laughs> I love it because, like, it's it's great, but we barely ever hear Redcorn in another tone. Like, yeah, it's always the same—not monotone, but very well spoken and almost. Yeah, he's very articulate. He doesn't. He, do, yeah. he doesn't need to like you know raise and lower his voices to express himself. Yeah, he just doesn't get very emotional. Like yeah. about and when he he's, is, yeah, he's, he's kind like, of dead. He's very he's sensible. He's very sensible is a good word. Mm-hmm. It's the most like awkward scene ever. Like Peggy yeah. thinks that all of a sudden she's like Sherlock Holmes, just like uncovered this great mystery, and he's just like, uh, yeah, uh, the pollen. That's what's doing it. That's why I have to <laughs> come heal Nancy, and I can't talk to you. Yeah, he still keeps up the facade. He's probably still a little suspicious. He's probably still a little suspicious from the bedroom ordeal because he's like, that was weird. What game is she playing? I, I bet you, like, he's got like a list of excuses that he just cycles through. And every, like, that little pouch he wears around his neck just changes every time he needs a new uh, excuse. Well, the, the, so, I mean, yeah, there's, there's that bit. But, like, I'm wondering, because, like, yeah, they mention it while they're in bed. And Nancy says she feels dirty. And, and John Redcorn says that, like, what's her game? But, like, if we know that everybody knows, do they not know? Are they as dense as Peg? Oh, you think that maybe they think they're hiding it well? Yes. No, I think they assume everyone knows. I mean, Redcorn plays it up pretty... I think that's just what, like, they've all just come to accept. Like, you give me this bullshit, I'll just pretend I don't know what's going on. But why would they... they, So, like, 
if that was the case, then they would be thinking that they're only fooling Peggy? I think so. Just because of her behavior earlier in the episode, like that's all of a sudden why they're second guessing. Well, if he's like, well, what's her game? It's like. Yeah, because they assume she knows. And like everybody else leaves us alone when we do it. So why is she interrupting? Yeah, it's like. Maybe they think that she's on, like she wants to exploit them. And I think because it's something different than they're used to in the past 13 years, where it's like, you know, it's come close to them getting caught. Maybe they feel like Peggy is going to be the whistleblower. And now he's on extra tiptoes with her. I don't, that's my, (laughs) maybe, maybe. Yeah, because I don't think in the 13 years, no one has ever like approach them as Peggy did. I don't know. I mean, for me, I just thought when watching it that they were just like blissfully ignorant. And again, I would also like if I was to believe that, I it would be a totally, you know, uh viable belief because they do completely act like nothing's they wrong. They do. Well, he keeps, he always the has these, always. he's like, oh, he always says her headaches. Mm-hmm. I, oh, I kind of thought it was meant to be like, again, as if like Dale is the one who looks at all of the conspiracy theories, but can't see the one under his nose. Mm-hmm. John and Nancy think they're being so fucking sneaky, but they're as dumb as Peggy because everybody else knows. I kind of thought it was like the reverse side of that. I, I, I what see, I thought. And I see that, and that's what I was saying. Like, it's totally viable, and, like, I, there's nothing to support. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I can't think of anything to directly support either side, so I'm going to say they're both, you know. Viable. That's what I saw when I watched it. But, but, but we got to is... find out what Min thinks. Well, <laughs> Peggy has to tell somebody. and all the... Why didn't she email Khan? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. She might as well wait for Lenore to come back. <laughs> but uh, so she goes to the door of the Super Newsome phones, and catches Min uh, after a workout? No, she makes during Min... Workout. During She makes Min jump off the treadmill. She's having an affair. Oh, my God. She's cheating on John Redcorn? I love you her. You know about this? She oh, not John at first. Redcorn. It took me about an hour. But I'm a naive and trusting person. <laughs> and then she finds out that uh, Peggy just found out just by deducing her, her face and her reaction. And she gets more excited about... E- Peggy here? You not know? Well, I, I knew. Peggy, you not know. That is so funny. Okay, who I tell? Who I tell? Oh, I email Khan. <laughs> she runs down the hall. Oh, it's so funny. Like, Peggy's like, oh, my God. Like, I'm going to find this person who's going to have the same reaction as me, and we can both be shocked and figure out how we're going to, like, approach the situation. And Min just roasts her. It's going to email Khan at work. Honestly, like, Min gives me assurance that soulmates exist. <laughs> because she is the soulmate of Khan. Like, they are perfect together. Well, I I also think it's funny, like, if we just think about the past, uh, Peggy and Min in Kondo, yeah. how, like, not trusting and naive Min is. Oh, no. <laughs> this black child hair she, she, PCP. Yeah. And she's manipulative, too. Like, when... Uh, Peggy had to choose, choose between her son and Connie in the choose wrestling team. Con. Choose a Connie. <laughs> yeah. Choose a Connie. Following uh, Peggy's roasting at the Super Newsome phone household, we see the guys, <laughs> minus Dale, it's Hang Bill and Boomhauer, and they're doing something that they've never done before. And they're Why are we drinking beer in front of my house? We always drink beer in the back of my house. This feels wrong. But I like it. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's just a running theme in this episode. This is the closest Bill will get to being a host. Because, like, he doesn't have to have anyone in his house. Like, well, his Super, Bowl, his Super Bowl was last year. So he's yeah. got our four years till they come over. I just love how, like, happy-go-lucky Bill is. He's like, this is different, but I like it. <laughs> so Hank's crowd, the guys, minus Dale, to talk about Dale and Nancy's situation. Because what Peggy said to him about how, like, how could you, how could you, like, you know, keep this info from your friend, like, hide, like you know, behind his back. So he asked Boomhauer and Bill what they feel, like, if they ever feel weird about, you know, Dale, like, withholding this information from Dale. And Bill plays dumb, which is hilarious. Yeah, because we don't, like, this is the only time Bill actually has an appropriate reaction that he should have. Like, do you remember when they were, uh, when was it? They were trying to find, a, I think, like, a, a new suitor for Luann. And then uh, Bill finds out that they're hiding it from Peggy, and Bill's like, oh, do you want me to you tell want, her? I should tell her. <laughs> yeah, it's like, <laughs> like he always does the wrong thing, and here he actually acts appropriately, but Dale's not there to, you know, uh, I guess, receive it. But Boomhauer, on the other hand. Yeah, man, you don't want to be prying in them family secrets, Hank, man. You don't, don't get in a little skeleton in the closet, man. It'll like a turd having an old Redenbach, man. Turns out to be a dang old actor, man. I mean, I didn't want to know that. <laughs> Fair enough. Orville Redenbacher is an old G stud. If you do not believe me, ask your mom. Ask your mom. <laughs> but I looked up Orville Clarence Redenbacher. I didn't find very many skeletons in his closet. Maybe I didn't dig deep enough. But what I did find interesting was Boomhauer's reference to him being an actor. Yes, he is the American businessman most known for the popcorn that bears his name. But he also appeared on a TV game show called To Tell the Truth, which is a classic game show in which a person of some notoriety and two imposters try to match wits with a panel of four celebrities, the object of the game is to try to fool the celebrities into voting for the two imposters, you know, which one is Orville Redenbacher, and, uh, you know, the wrong vote are worth money, and then, you know, the people who are impostering win the money. But um, in this episode, I watched it, with Orville Redenbacher, nobody guessed who he was, and I am confident that is because all of the celebrities were fucking hammered. <laughs> this show is so obvious. What year was it? Uh, 73. Oh, they were on high on cocaine. <laughs> they were fucking slurring, they were laughing, they were not, they were just making fun of, you look like a trusty guy who's from the South selling me popcorn, I'm picking you. Did, and, so wait, like... Is it kind of funny that that's also about lying when, like, this whole episode's about lying? But, uh, I mean, it is pretty funny. Um, So, I mean, if you don't know Orville Redenbacher, um, he's got the the trademark horn-rimmed and glasses with a bow tie. Uh, He's appeared in commercials with his grandson, so maybe that's why Boomhauer is accusing him of being on TV as well. Um, some people have actually asked if Redenbacher was an a-, a real person and not just an actor. And he's written books and, and guaranteed people that he is real. I am real <laughs> by Orville Redenbacher. Yeah. He also appeared on a, a comedy, uh, like a country comedy show titled Hee Haw. But I, oh. what, I wasn't able to find what episode he was on and I was not prepared to sift through. So if somebody wants to find it, I, by all means. But I was not going to go through it all. It tags. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Why go? I could just stay home, order a bucket of chicken, and watch Hee Haw. Same thing. He's a pizza. Over Red Bucker was the king of popcorn. He also was the king of getting it on. And his wrinkled old pop 
popcorn snake stay hard much longer than it took his movie butter popcorn to bake Giza, Giza! over red bucket son tried to weasel into his dad's commercials tried to steal that that popcorn crown from him over red bucket said back up son you're not taking my crown from me over red bucket was an og stud if you do not believe me ask your mom ask your mom so since the guys are hiding out, which I assume is street-facing because it's the front of Bill's house, Dale can't find them. Yeah, what street is that? Rainy Street? No, it's not. Yeah. How? Because he Dale would have seen them on the yard. If it's alley, the alley is not the street. Oh, yeah, it's true. Rainy Street would be where Dale and Hank live. Maybe, maybe Bill bought Colin. in last and got across the street and just their backyards touch. Well, they are. That is the truth. Like, the alley runs through. The alley's not... Rainy pretty, I think there is a, like a future episode where we do find out Bill's street address. Okay. Wow. Boomhauer's on that street also. Yeah, Bill. Is, yeah, they're beside each other. Yeah. Well, um, anyway, Dale can't find them, so he goes to Hank's house, and uh, he knocks on the door, and he finds Peggy, and he is confused. <laughs> I can't find Hank, Bill, or Boomhauer. <clears throat> if they're hiding behind the door, just nod slowly. And uh, and Peggy starts, you know, kind of like talking to Dale, <laughs> not about Hank, and Dale doesn't know what to do. Yeah, she wants to like start a conversation, and and, and Dale is already like cannot find out where they want to go, where oh, she yeah. wants them to move to. Yeah, because yeah, like, <laughs> she's like, she's like, you. It's so nice to see you. How come we don't talk? And Dale just, like, doesn't uh, say a word. Yeah, literally, like, it goes back to how, like, the guys have nothing to do without Hank. Mm-hmm. And when they're talking to Peggy, and it's not about Hank. Yes. Like, what? like, yard tools. <laughs> uh, shit. Um, Peggy's trying her best to compliment him. Exactly. She's like, you know, you're such a, a good guy. Uh, you know, so many women would be lucky to have you. You know, the way that hat accentuates your head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he's just dumbfounded and stands there, and I believe he just ends up walking well, away. Well, she invites him in for oh, pie. Yeah, that's oh, yeah. right. And that's he's his... like, I'm going to uh, go. Yeah, like, he does the good friend thing in His these. voice, like, cracks a he little. He does crack. And uh, so he... Well, yeah, it's weird. Like, yeah, Peggy exactly. could have uh, approached this situation in a much less awkward way. Would you like to come in for some pie? <clears throat> I should go. So Dale, mm. having faced major trauma has to go talk to somebody, and he finds Bill. Hey, Dale. What's going on? Oh, not much. Peggy Hill wants to leave Hank and run away with me. I don't believe it. Well, they have a fairy book marriage. <laughs> he's rehearsed this one pretty good. Yeah, this is the second time he said this. <laughs> this whole episode with Bill, it almost, because like, he has, like, he's, like, the furthest person from having, like, a dog in the fight that he almost takes, like, a more humorous, like, response to it. Like, I feel like his... It's funny that you would say that because the first thing that came to my mind when Dale said that to him wasn't that, like, Bill didn't believe it. was that Bill would be like, why not me? <laughs> like, yeah. why doesn't she want to run away with me? Yeah, no shit. But his, his stage reactions are so strange. They are very strange. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I mean, good on him for being consistent, I guess, if I'm going to find a, a shining light in Bill. Bill's got lots of shiny lights, but Peggy, not so much. <laughs> Her musings are pretty bad, 
and we're gonna we're gonna get to see them here at uh, the dinner table. She's trying out some of her new musings on uh, Bobby and Luann. Doyle Harkaby wasn't that good. <gasps> Thank you, Mom. It's about time somebody said it. Of course coffee wakes you up in the morning. I mean, that's how they advertise it. <laughs> I like that's his reasoning. I love it. I don't have them written down. One of them Do you guys have any of her music? Yeah, yeah. soda and pineapple juice, and you got a big bucket of crap. Yeah. <laughs> something about Angie Dickinson losing her looks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who's, like, is, who's Angie Dickinson? She was the one who uh, was girlfriend as Frank Sinatra. We've talked about her. I I have specifically have talked about Angie Dickinson before. I've done research on her before. Okay, you're gonna be more specific. Lots of women have had affairs with Frank Sinatra. She um. No, she hooked up with like three different like prominent men in that era. I think one of them was uh, JFK. Like, I mean, him and Frank hung out a lot. Yeah, because this was an episode Corn was on. He was like, yeah, she pretty much dinked every cool guy in the '50s or something mm-hmm. like that. And she was uh, she wash was... your mouth out. Yeah. Explicit dink. <laughs> yeah, no, we we've talked about her before. I believe the I can't remember the episode, but she married Burt Bacharach. Oh shit! Yeah, like this girl was important to us. I totally forgot about her. Uh, sorry, Angie. All right. Well, shit. And I'm gonna speak on her behalf. She did not lose her looks. She is a very handsome woman. <laughs> the picture I'm looking at is 1982. That's a minute ago. Nice. I mean, she's 88 now, so I'm not going to look up any current pictures. Moving on, uh, we find ourselves at the baseball field. And Hank and Peggy, they've got their matching red ball caps on. They're walking through the parking lot. They've got their nachos, their sodas. and You know what they say about those ballpark nachos. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was first like watching the scene. I was like, oh, this must be like another one of like the kids' yeah. baseball games. 100%. Because like, I was like, oh, Bobby and Joseph on the same team. That makes Parents sense. Parents are going. Mm-hmm. And but they, no. Bobby yeah. and Joseph don't play baseball. What? <laughs> Not anymore. But they get there. And it's Nancy and Dale, the only other ones in the crowd. And Dale's like, oh, you guys are just in time. Boomhauer's on second. And John Records, Nancy's healer, is up to bat. I didn't even catch that Boomhauer was in the yes, game. it's yeah, so great. Totally. It goes back to, like, why the fuck did we see them in the company man together at the shopping oh. mall? They're, they're on the same baseball oh, team. Good could, one. I like you, it. You can tell, like, that's dugout talk. Like, dang, oh, man. Totally. What are you hitting right. up this weekend? Might have been retroactive, <laughs> but I like it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so they have a, two common themes. They're both athletes, and they're both womanizers. Actually, yes. Yeah, so, I mean, to add on to that, yeah. they both... Never... You mean they're both athletes. <laughs> <laughs> are you kidding? This guy never strikes out. Ain't that right, Nancy? <laughs> so as Hank and Peggy are walking uh, through the bleachers to get to their seats, um, Peggy's like, oh, my God, like, how am I going to deal with this? And Hank's like, don't worry. You're just it's just it's still fresh to you. It's going to be weird for the first couple years. Just do what I do and think about it helps if you think of something else. I use sports. You can use boggle. <laughs> and that advice, uh, I mean, she tries to use it uh, in the stands when Dale's cheering just really starts to get to her. All right, Wingo, man. Woo-hoo! Wingo. I just love it when he says Wingo. Yeah, he's Anytime, a, really. Yeah. He's such a good fan. Uh, I want to say Wingo more, but because uh, he says it what, when he when they're when he catches fish. Yeah. And yeah. I, it's probably another time, but probably racing NASCAR or something. But I love Wingo. this how he's cheering on Redcorn, and then like we get a cut back to some more meat. <laughs> 
Yeah, like we go inside Peggy's head basically where she's just trying to think about Boggle. But Paradise by the Dashboard Light just keeps turning up. Right. They keep cranking to 11. I mean, so, I mean, okay, first of all, I love that song. And like I said, there's that baseball illusion halfway through it. Mm-hmm. But, like, they already clearly had the rights to the song. <laughs> I don't understand why it wasn't the boom, ding, ding. Can we just fucking run it? Doom, doom, doom. Like, because, like, you can hear that Peggy's got the... Peggy's got the, like, she can hear the song in her head. And they're watching baseball. And Dale is beside him, like, he's rounded first. He's going to go for it. Are you kidding me? This guy never strikes out. <laughs> yeah. I think the only reason why they wouldn't do that is because they were strapped for time. And this song is eight minutes, nine minutes. Maybe, but, I mean, like, if you had the rights, I would totally have written Dale to be saying the same thing, like, he's going to go for it. He's rounded third. Like, you know, you know balls in the dirt. <laughs> you know what that would have been? A deleted scene. Oh, <laughs> shut up. Don't even. Dude, it probably yeah, was. probably right. Like, there's at least an animatic. Of, like, oh, that's what they John Redcorn riding the bass and oh, Dale yelling. Yeah, you're probably right, because, like, that is, I didn't say, I didn't say stop. <laughs> but no, no, I love that. I love that bit that there's that whole like illusion to it right here. But it was a missed opportunity, that's for sure. It totally is. And like, but they even brought it back to like play the song. So mm-hmm. I don't know. But it also, I feel like there's another illusion here. Where at the end of it, Meatloaf has one regret, and he's praying for the end of time, <laughs> so he can end his time with her. Where Nancy is also probably praying for the end of time, so she can end her time with Dale. Very not. Mm-hmm. And um, as the song is coinciding with the baseball game, it gets to the point where all of a sudden Peggy's just like. The hammer drops. She's like, stop right now. I'm about to sing the chorus, and Peggy's about to upchuck those nachos. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. so she gets out. She's like, I gotta get out of here. And she, like, throws the snack she has on her lap and runs. Ballpark nachos. (laughs) You don't buy them, you only rent them. (laughs) After that, we see Hank, and he's, he's trying to console Peggy in the parking lot. That is correct, because Peggy wants to tell Dale. Yeah, she, she just can't handle she it. She can't live with it. She's like, no, no, no. Like this is. Just... And Hank's just like, just sleep on it. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> and sleep on it for the next consecutive for the rest of your life. I gotta know right now. And they go on this big kind of back and forth about dogs and lying and how dogs never lie, but they lie down. And... But Hank says, let sleeping dogs lie. Mm-hmm. Hold up, Peggy. You can't just walk back over there and tell Dale his wife's cheating on him. Just let sleeping dogs lie. Oh, interesting choice of words, Mr. Hill. Lie. I meant lie down. I know that, Hank. Dogs don't tell lies. Only people lie. They lie like dogs. And, like, Hank's not wrong. Like, if you're going to tell Dale his wife's been having an affair for 13 years and, like, the, his son isn't his, you don't do it in a public place at the ball field. Like, Definitely not. You, What is this, a Kevin Smith movie? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> God, there's a movie I'm never going to watch again. Chasing Amy? Yeah, it made me so uncomfortable. Oh, my God. I had secondhand embarrassment. I Yeah, <laughs> but I think that's why that movie is so good. It is good. I mean, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm saying I watched it, and I'm not choosing to show or watch it again. I'm saying I'm it is. It I'm saying it is in my top like three movies of all time, and number three. And I, I watched it a lot. 
Wow, it's way up there. Huh? I love that movie. I need to rewatch it. In a row? Maybe I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I do love that movie. I think it's fantastic. So I'm not sure if the Hills make it back to the ball game because we cut forward to Hank's garage now. And, and Hank is just sanding his workbench. He's just sanding it. He's sanding his his emotions away. (laughs) He's got his random orbital out, and he's just sanding the top of it, and Dale comes in. Because Dale has a confession, and it's nice to see that, like, out of everybody on Rainy Street, especially in this episode, that Dale has, like, the most sound conscience of them all. Mm -hmm. Because Dale wants to come forward about him and Peggy eloping. Well, and, like, and (laughs) and that's the thing, is, like, Hank uses that opportunity to start hammering his workbench with a hammer. <laughs> yeah. Dale, like, unplugs. hammering your emotions, Mr. Hill. I love, like, it's not the first time we've seen Hank use his tools, you know, to deflect people trying to talk to him. He's like, I can't hear you over the sound of my weed whacker. Well, there's that also, when is it with the, when Luann is crying? He's and he's just crying. hammering away. <laughs> okay, he's, he's just hammering, hammering nothing. <laughs> It reminds me of that scene in Superbad where it's just like, yeah, two weeks left in the semester. I'm just drilling holes. Fuck, Fuck it. it. Yeah. <laughs> what are you making? <laughs> but uh, I love. Um, yeah. I like. I love how Dale approaches him, and he's just so blunt. Like your wife loves me and wants us to run off together. I've not yet been able to ascertain where. Dale. No problemo on this end. I don't even find her attractive. Of course you do, and I appreciate the lie, but. Peggy's just being nice to you, but you're a good friend for wanting to tell me. Ascertain is a good word. Very good word. And I like, it's like, that is, that line feels more like the writers than anything that Dale could have come up with. Uh, Yeah, that's true. It happens very few times in the show. (laughs) That one, I was like, Dale didn't. They didn't say that. He may have heard it somewhere. <laughs> I love how honest he is. I don't even find her attractive. Yeah, it's like that's like <laughs> such a good burn. Oh, he's lying. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> of course you do. It. It's like, no, hey, you're probably like between besides Bill, you're the only person who finds Baggy attractive. And uh so Hank tries to kinda, you know, uh repair the delusion by making him see the other side and say, hey, if the tables were turned, the shoe was on the other foot, would not Would you want me to tell you? It kind of like asking for an out, and Dale just... <laughs> Don't flatter yourself, Hank. Nancy likes her men thin and pale of face. I thank God every day for sending me an angel with the hots for my track team physique. I like that. I like that because, like, yes, Dale's an idiot. Yeah. And this... Like, just furthers the point that, like, he definitely shut down when Hank was trying to bring something up. Yeah. But also, it it reinforces why Hank doesn't want to tell Dale. It makes sense, because he's got this world built in his head, which, I mean, I'm sure for Dale... No harm, no foul. Right. And like It just comes down to that. And it's like... And again, Hank can, Hank can happily go back into his, like, whole pretending... Of this not, of them, like, not, mm-hmm. there's no issue here. Yeah. Because, like, it, it hasn't affected anything. Like, Dale loves Joseph. Dale loves Nancy. Mm-hmm. And as far as, like, you know, Nancy's doesn't abuse Dale. And I I mean, we can be pretty sure that Nancy's the breadwinner in the house. She takes care of Dale. And, like, you can but see. But, no, but Nancy's got the job. 
I mean, Dale makes two bucks for spraying <laughs> fucking lawns. Dale yeah. pays the cable bill. Yeah. And, like, and like, and it's it's obvious that Nancy still cares for Dale because when well, like she loves him, just in a yeah. lights on sort of way. Exactly. <laughs> oh, what a harsh thing to say. That's funny because like. I had to I had to rewind it to be like, is that what she meant? Because wouldn't you love him in a lights off sort of way? Yeah, to that like is imagine the... John Redcorn. I, I mean, that's what I. Went no, she with means it. Well, I think she means it in like a non physical. She way. means that's that. What I'd imagine yeah. she means that, but like I wouldn't have said it that way if that's what I meant. Mm, yeah. Because like if you love someone in a lights on sort of way, it's like well, I want to see what's yeah, going on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And if you love him in a lights off sort of way, then it would be a. a yeah, that's what I. That's implied, like. Yeah. But no, she means like a more like. Platonic non, friendship, yeah. life partner kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. And, uh... But I also... Sorry, are we skipping ahead or are we there? We're there. We're at okay, good, because... Newspaper montage. This is when Peggy realizes that she's going to use her column not for musings. Oh, yeah. Well, she has a couple musings, but mm-hmm. she's going to fill up a big portion of it with her righteous, do-the-right-thing speech. And we get this nice little montage of everyone... Um, picking up their newspaper and reading what she has to say. You hear the expression, lie like a dog, often enough that it is almost a cliche. But more often than not, if someone is lying to you, they're a person. We all know a certain person who is lying to her husband. Every time we look the other way, we add a lie to a lie. Well, this reporter is not going to lie anymore. And right about there, we see Peggy. And she's she's going in first. She's gonna do what she's been, you know, what's been weighing on her conscience this whole episode. She's gonna go tell Dale. And Nancy briefly interrupts her, tries to stop her, and says, "Suge, what are you doing?" And Peggy's like, "If you could, go, you can go tell Dale right now. You're having an affair. Or I'm, or if if not." Suge, listen. I love Dale, but in a lights on sort of way. In the episode with the tornado, where Dale's all excited to go and film the the twister or whatever. Mm-hmm. I kind of like started thinking that because we see how excited about like horrors and 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 like gruesome news stories that Nancy how excited she got. Yeah. And like we saw how excited Dale is to go and try go with Boomhauer and film this. Storm there I started to talk about like how I can see how they're both so attracted to that Catastrophe? Yeah, catastrophe or like just like clickbait. <laughs> <laughs> no, just like just like this like I could see a connection between their passion for disaster. If it was to be like talked about more or explained a little more. But in this episode I wanted Nancy to kind of like we know Dale doesn't make the money. The son isn't Dale's. It's not of like biologically that's right but you know he raises raises him he loves him but like nancy doesn't seem to be in a law a lot of the time so like it does kind of raise a question as to be like why are you with dale i would have loved a little line here where they could explain the relationship kind of yeah not why why nancy's still with him Mm -hmm. well like it's because they are so, like, distant, it's hard to even imagine what, like, started the relationship, right? Like, where, where was the spark that, like, got her into it in the first place? Like, besides what's changed over years, which happens, you know. Well, exactly. Often. And I could see that, like, maybe at the time when she was, like, a journalist, she was, like, trying to break the case. And she was trying to be all, like, 
get in there and figure out what's going on. And now that she's like an anchor, she's like totally or a weather girl, whatever she was, she's like totally just like okay with her life. And she's like settled down and she's just like doing her job as a job. But Dale stepped it up even further and got more into the conspiracy shit. I can see that. But like I would have liked, but that's in my own head. I've made that up. And like, and, and I think that all stems from my thoughts during that Twister episode, Texas City Twister. But I would have liked this, I would have liked them to take the opportunity here to explain to us something along whatever they were thinking. Mm-hmm. I, uh, maybe there was a deleted scene with it in it. <laughs> yeah, maybe, it would have been a good spot maybe. for it. Um, but you're right, that would have been pretty important and at least kind of a foundation that we can all agree on and point to as the reason why. Because honestly, it does make Nancy kind of look like the bad guy, I think. Like, I mean, in in a technical sense, uh, she is. Like, I mean, like, honestly, like, I don't know, like, I'm not, I'm not gonna shame nothing, but like, if you're, like, finding what she finds in Redcorn from people other than your significant other... There's usually a reason for that, and we don't actually see any reason that Dale is sort of, like, deserves that or sort of, like, isn't fulfilling her. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Well, it's very common in Spain. People have a, you know... It is, and, and yeah, but, I mean, this like, is Texas. I think, I know, this is Texas. Like, if Nancy was to just, like, leave Dale, we would just have two bills in the alley. Well, it's oh, not about what yeah. we have. <laughs> no, I mean like like in like in the series. I don't like I'm saying I don't want her to. I just want an explanation as to why why. Well, I mean and I think I'm gonna go <laughs> with what the episode does show us, and that's because Are you gonna talk about his jeans? <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> no, I'm gonna talk about that he is a good father to her child. Mm-hmm. Which we see when Peggy tries to explain to Dale the affair situation, and they're interrupted. Yeah, well, we want to see Encino Man, but we don't have any money. Pauly Shore 1992, cool classic. Hmm, well, I got two fives. One for you, one for me. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> oh, wait, I found some more. <laughs> Can't watch Encino Man without milk balls, huh? <laughs> Thanks, Dad! That's like ten lawns. Yeah, no, that's a that's a few that's a couple months of work for Dale mm-hmm. that he's just handing away to his boy, mm-hmm. and it's in a very endearing way because you know we've all seen Encino Man, <laughs> we all know Pauly Shore. It's a great, you need something else great. to occupy yourself <laughs> while you watch that. Hell no, that is a, <laughs> that is a classic, man. I so, love it so much. So, so how many times have you seen it, Miles? Uh, I don't know, 20 times? Like, I bought, like, I don't own a lot of DVDs, and I made a point of buying that. He owns less every day <laughs> after yeah. Lefty gets a hold of him. Yeah, has but, Lefty ever seen that one, or is that one no, kept in a glass case? I, that one's up on the top <laughs> shelf. Where, like, he's pretty tall, and he stands up on his back legs, but he can't, he can't reach Encino Man. It's up there with the Goonies and the Beastie Boys book. <laughs> nice. I mean, we all know and love Paul Montgomery Shore. Is that a real middle name? Real middle name. Montgomery. It's like his parents were comedians. His parents yeah. were comedians. You don't say. <laughs> but uh, so Paulie Shore. What are they on a, show, a store called the Comedy Store? <laughs> like I, well, you're taking away all my thunder. <laughs> but yeah, okay. So he was born February first, nineteen sixty-eight. So his birthday's coming up. 
uh, aka Pauly Shore, is an American. What year was he born? 1968. So he's going to be he's like 60. Yeah, about 60. Pauly Shore is an American actor, comedian, writer, weasel, producer, director, VJ, son-in-law, host, dependent, and water purification ground unit. Son-in-law. <laughs> In the army now. He, uh, He's a he... unique weasel. <laughs> <laughs> he began his career in stand-up comedy, most known for his alter ego persona, the weasel. It involved Shore speaking in a surfer uh, persona, heavily prepared... Uh, heavily peppered with dude-speak slang such as edged melons and grinding, <laughs> as well as his catchphrase, hey, buddy, <laughs> ranch it up. <laughs> uh, so he got to start acting in an episode of 21 Jump Street. He played Kenny Ryan, which was one of the teens uh, accused of purchasing a fake ID. <laughs> That's where he would start. That, that was his first episode ever on IMDb. And it propelled... He thought it was an episode of Cops. <laughs> uh, he didn't show up for half of the shooting. <laughs> uh, so he that, was, that propelled his journey through Hollywood into starring in such films as Encino Man, Son-in-Law, In the Army Now, Jury Duty, and Biodome. He was a... MTV VJ first, right? Uh, yes, he was. He was a VJ as well. Uh, but all of those five films, they all received sharply negative reviews with the last yeah, three... Yeah, from the man. <laughs> well, I mean, on Rotten Tomatoes, they were the last three were below 10%. Yeah, on the man score. Yeah. I mean, I think... From a technical standpoint, they're not the greatest movies, but they are a <laughs> damn good time. That's right. How, how, how does High Times rank them? I don't... I, do 11 out of 10. Fucking high, dude! Dude, 4 out of 20, maybe. Um, but he was also in an episode of Married with Children. There was an episode where Peggy uh, gets, like, a, a sales job and starts making more money than Al. So he gets a part-time job at, like, a burger shack. And, like, Pauly Shore's the manager. And he calls himself the captain. And he's just like, Al, I had to leave the bridge because I've had some complaints about our burgers. <laughs> and it's just funny to watch those two back and forth. Um, but he also has a cameo appearance in a Limp Biscuit music video titled End Together Now. Yeah, but what's the song called? End Together Now. End Together Now. Q Biscuit. It's, uh, it's one of the greatest songs of all time. He was a pizza delivery man and... Uh, he had a briefer appearance in Break Stuff. Wrote and directed a mockumentary, uh, The Death of Pauly Shore, which Pauly you may Shore have seen. Is dead. Yeah, Pauly Shore is dead. And that got the best score out of all of them, 57% on Rotten Tomatoes. I haven't seen it, but I've heard great things. I haven't seen it either. And I think I've seen ads for it more than I know I've... when it came out. Yeah, I've seen a bunch about it. On like VHS, like. No, ads. like I think I saw, for some reason, I think I saw like an in depth, like interview kind of trailer thing it could have been on great on the special features of son-in-law it could have been because we watched that movie a lot i swear on the intro to something like uh freddie got fingered there was an ad for this as well i'm just thinking uh or maybe in road trip but i know in one of those movies he's got ads but anyways like you said his parents owned a comedy shop a comedy the com venue called the, the comedy, comedy store. store. It's still there today. And did you hear about the uh, the job action that happened there? That uh, they apparently didn't pay comedians in like 1973 or 1970 something. Uh, and then all the comedians like held a picket 
and like they included like Jay Leno and David Letterman were people that played there that never got paid. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. I wouldn't pay Jay Leno either. <laughs> and uh, it's not funny. And they they didn't cross the picket line, but you know who did? Gary Shandling and Yakov Smirnov. I love Yakov uh, Smirnov. In Russia, picket line crosses you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but uh, that's a little bit about Polly. Something about Polly, really. Nice. It's kind Polly. of funny to have a commie cross a picket line. That's <laughs> <laughs> what they're about. Yeah, no doubt. It's funny that like Polly Shore, like whatever character he's listed as in the movie, like it's just, it's Polly Shore. Like, yeah, he's, he's this like he's just so typecast, but like it still is funny. At least it was. You know, I don't get it. Like, I I did I have I did watch um like a the Joe Rogan interview with Polly Shore. And, like, where Pauly Shore was kind of talking about his career and, like, talking about how, like, his regrets and, like, he really regretted In the Army Now. Why? I fucking love that movie. He actually, like, had a pretty good, like, explanation to it. And it was that, like, he had, like, a three-movie deal with Disney where the first one was Encino Man and that was his first, like, starring role Mm -hmm. where that blew up. And then his second one was Son-in-Law, which is obviously another amazing one. one. And then... uh, and then he wanted to do some movie, but the dude from Disney bought the script to it and shelved it, so he wouldn't do it. So he would do In the Army Now. Oh, that's kind of that's like pulling the rug from underneath him. Yeah, and so he did In the Army Now, and his manager was like, "Don't do In the Army Now. Like, it's not very good." And then like they made him cut his hair, so it like really changed yeah. his personality. And then like if you look, the rest of his movies, Jury Duty and uh, Biodome, he has short hair in those too. Totally. So like he never grew his hair back after. And he had some pretty iconic hair. He did. It was like it was his he thing. And been like the same without his hair. No, I mean, and and in the army now, when we were kids, we watched that movie a lot. A lot. A lot. A lot. A lot. Like we had that movie on VHS and like watched it a lot. A lot. A lot. And like I thought it was great. So, but no, I, we were kids. That's who it was for. Because it was like, it's a Disney movie. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so he... There was innuendo. Yeah. If it's too hot, get out of the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, the way that he speaks but... is the perfect cadence. And that's Andy Dick, eh? Yes, that was Andy Dick in there as well. Hola, mi amigos. Is it okay if I just chill upon here? Orale, orale. The worm's right there, I see. Uh-uh, I'm a weasel. <laughs> <laughs> a weasel, eh? Okay, I've I've never heard anybody impersonate that better than our own Miles. Please, <laughs> let me hear it. I'm a unique weasel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what are you even doing with your mouth? <laughs> Ladies, follow us on Twitter. <laughs> this is what put this place on the map. Oh. What are you doing, Mrs. Tony? No, 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 you can't do this. You can't do this here. Now, now, you must leave now, please. Look, Kashmir Rajneesh, why don't you just chill? No, but still. Link and I are cruising the mountain, bro, and we figure we's a little juice. No, we zing the juice. We the juice. No, 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 we zing the juice. That's fucking Mooj from 40-Year-Old Virgin. <laughs> Is there anybody you want to party with from the late 90s more than Andy Dick and Pauly Shore? God, no. Those would be the funnest two guys to They're the, They would be the most fun. Totally. I mean, I would straight up pay more money than I didn't to go and see Star Wars. 
Yeah, I'm following. To go see Pauly Shore and Andy Dick star in any movie right now. But no, straight up, like I would, I would love to go and see a new Pauly Shore movie. But I think I have to stop us uh, before we start a Pauly Shore podcast. Because I mean, like we might as well. I mean, this won't last forever. We're so there. if you like Pauly Shore as much as we do, stay tuned for the rest of this podcast and then the next one. We need to move on throughout Dale and Peggy's conversation because after she sees this endearing moment with Dale and Joseph regarding Encino Man, she decides to not tell him and come up with a different confession. And she's also come up with the name of my new band. Vikings were the first visitors to to the moon. Well, I knew that. Why do you think we named our spacecraft after them? Poor, naive Peggy. Oh, well, that makes sense. Originally, Peggy starts his conversation with Dale that there's something Dale needs to know that he doesn't know that involves his wife and John Redcorn. <laughs> but ev- like ever since Joseph melts Peggy's heart with the Encino Man, I mean, Dale melts Peggy's heart with the Encino Man. Did they do something to Lady Bird? Conversation. <laughs> <laughs> she deflects it to something so bizarre and abstract that only Dale would pick up on it like nothing had happened. And I like the difference between Dale picking up on something at the end of the episode and Peggy picking up on something from the beginning of the episode is that Dale knows what she's talking about and Peggy had no idea what John Redcorn was talking about. It's, it's, fu- it's funny. As Peggy is leaving uh, the Gribble's yard, Dale's like, hey, Peggy, um, Hank may not have the best body in the alley, but he's got a good head on his shoulders. Peggy's like, I know, Dale. I know. I know, it's kind of like it's kind of a compliment. It's totally a compliment. But he may not have the best. It's like backhanded. Mm-hmm. It is. And then we eventually see uh, Hank's back in his garage on his workbench, and that's where Peggy comes in, and Hank's like, so how did he take it? And Peggy's like, well, I, I couldn't tell him. I guess some things are best left unsaid. Yep. You know, Hank, I really... I know, and Peggy... I gotcha. All right, then. Great. Pepperoni it is. Perfect. Did you guys notice the final shot of the episode? Was it the couch in Bill's house? No. Oh. What is it? It's Ladybird sleeping in the garage. Let, Let sleeping, sleeping dogs, dogs lie. lie. Yeah. I thought it was the the perfect. What a good show. Wow, this is a good hey. fucking show. We should do a podcast about it. <laughs> if I hear that one more time. Well, it keeps being a good fucking show. It does keep being a good show. It's a damn good show. So before we go off too much on how we feel about it, let's establish the segment by saying final thoughts time. Denim, you seem pretty eager. Would you like to go first? You just try not to talk about Pauly Shore, Leonard Skinner, or Meatloaf. <laughs> just please. Just like three minutes. Just... Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like it. Nothing really left to say. It's <laughs> <laughs> good. All right, well. No, I got something to say. Just like I was talking about in the last episode, how, like, you can only achieve the, like, emotional kind of, like, center after Connie and Bobby have had two seasons together. This one's similar in that, like, we need to know the Gribble household and Hank and Peggy to a lesser extent. But, like, especially just, like, to know what goes on in the alley, all of this season, I think, is, like, has been led up to by the previous seasons. And, yeah, I mean, there's not much to say, but 
this is a really good episode. And I just think we're going to get more good ones to come. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was great. I really, really liked this episode. Um, I watched it like a, like a few times doing the research. And then it wasn't until the final time I watched it when I saw that final clip with Lady Bird sleeping peacefully in the garage. And I was like, that is so awesome how they tied it up like that. And like this episode, it was very, um, like there was only two scenes not within the alley within the rainy street world right they went to the baseball field and they went to john raycourt's trailer and that was it like it was pretty much it was like an all dialogue episode like the bottle episode what we call this a bottle episode bottle episode okay yeah that's what it was and it was great like it was it's not easily pulled off i don't think by an animated show and king of the hill did it and they did it to perfection and i love this episode and yeah i agree they only could do that if they've had this long to develop these characters mm-hmm. within so much depth i'm going to agree with the both of you because it it the things that we like about this show that we've talked about the the attention to detail the 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 mundane universe and all the expansive characters that live in this town that have been built up for two seasons now. It feels like in season one and season two are kind of their, their – they feel like not the same season to me, but they definitely feel like that was them expanding the universe of Arlen and now carrying on in that same kind of – cadence they're building upon that foundation and now elevating all the stories because yes we learned about this taboo you know elephant in the room of dale and nancy and Redcorn, and it was always a joke but now we're looking deeper into it as opposed to just pulling out new things that can happen to rainy street we're going back and we're looking within mm-hmm. which i really like i also have found that this season has been fucking hilarious so far like, they're just doubling down on comedy, whereas, like, yeah. whereas I'm not having any trouble finding clips, I'm having trouble narrowing down <laughs> what clips to find because they're all gold. Like, I feel like I said it earlier off air that we should just play the episode and have that be our podcast because it's money. It's perfect. It's hilarious. Mm-hmm. It makes our jobs a lot easier. It really it, does. There used to be those episodes where we'd be like, okay, this one was kind of light on content, but, like, funny on this thing. So now, like, they're almost all all-encompassing episodes now. And it's, exactly. It's a lot it, of fun. It, it definitely is feeling like a very comfortable show to come back to week to week and enjoy that universe. So uh, with that, uh, I'm going to give this episode two heaping teaspoons of BC headache powder and three sessions a week with Miracle Healer Dr. Jahan Redcorn. <laughs> That's pretty good. All right. So with that, do we have anything left that we'd like to say before we adjourn this meeting? That's it. That's all. Um, you know about the merch. You've seen the merch. You buy the merch. We like the merch. We're going to watch Encino Man literally after we stop recording. How are we at the HDMI cord? More beers, more cheers. That's it. That's all. (sighs) All right. Give her Gunner Diener. Can I get a round table? Wimitania!
want to hear more Order of the Straight Arrow? Join the conversation on Twitter at Utsakothpod or follow us on Instagram at Utsakothpod or look for us on Facebook at Order of the Straight Arrow, a King of the Hill podcast. Please share this podcast with your friends and feel free to contact us by email at Utsakothpod at gmail.com. Please, no hate mail. Hey, what you crying for, boy? It's a good show. This is a damn good show. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are our own and in no way reflect the views and opinions of Mike Judge, Greg Daniels, or Fox Studios. The external audio used in this podcast is not owned by the Order of the Straight Arrow or its affiliates and is presented in good faith to its copyright owners. Please don't sue us.